It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello to everyone in the audience. Thank you for being here with me. In this episode, I would like to return to the discussion of the problem of pain and suffering in the world. There are only three viable situations where evil and God are considered. One, evil and no God, the atheistic position. Two, God and no evil, the pantheistic and the Christian science position. And three, God and evil both exist. We are in the situation three because the other positions don't measure up. So the problem of of pain and suffering may be described as the problem of attempting to reconcile belief in an all-good and all-powerful God with the reality of the existence of evil. This dilemma has been labeled the problem of evil. But the problem of evil, like evil itself, has many faces. For example, it may be expressed as an intellectual problem of evil or the emotional problem of evil. The intellectual problem concerns how to give a rational explanation of God and evil. On the other hand, the emotional problem of evil concerns how to comfort or console those who are suffering, and how to dissolve the emotional dislike that some people have of a God who would permit such evil. The philosopher is called upon to deal with the intellectual problem of evil whereas the emotional problem calls for either the psychological counselor or the care of a pastor. The God which people usually object to is the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Christianity and Judaism, the God of power who created the universe, the God of love who loves us so much that he sent his son to be our substitute upon the cross. This God also resurrected the son, Jesus, from the dead and gave believers in Christ great benefits of salvation. Even though sin violated his law, and despite the fact that our sin demands our death, there is, quote, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's in Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, 
having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That can be found in Colossians 2, 13b and verse 14. There are many verses in Scripture that Jesus died for us and rescues us from the wrath to come. Let me list some of these Scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 1, 10b, chapter 5, verses 9 through 10. Romans 5, verses 6 through 11. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. And 1 John 3, verse 16. This God is also a God of justice. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. That's found in Romans 3, verses 23 to verse 25, part A. Propitiation is a satisfying sacrifice. It satisfied God's broken law. It satisfied His offended holiness. And I take it that this scripture means that His justice is satisfied as well. Quotes, This was to demonstrate His righteousness, because in the forbearance of God, He passed over the sins previously committed, for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That's found in Romans 3, 25b through 26. Since all humans have been made in the image of God, we humans long for moral justice to prevail upon the earth and are outraged when we see injustice happening around us. Why do we seek justice for crimes and injustices? It is in our DNA. The atheist, rather than attempting to give a positive argument for their avowed position, the non-existence of God, typically is content with merely critiquing the theist's several arguments for God. Nevertheless, there is one exception to this scenario. Atheists regard the problem of evil as their main objection to God. Consequently, the problem of evil is considered to be the rock of atheism. Okay. For the sake of debate, I grant the problem of evil may be the one very good argument against God, but there are many more good arguments for God. I have given the Kalam argument from the beginning of the universe. My extension of the Kalam argument that the first cause of the universe is identical to the God of the Bible. In addition, I gave Ravi Zacharias' argument, 
one by C.S. Lewis, a new design argument, William Lane Craig's moral argument, and my expanded either-or moral argument. That's seven good arguments. In the book, Making Sense Out of Suffering, Peter Kraft suggests there are at least 15 arguments for God. Evil is evidence against God, but most of the evidence is for God. The very existence of evil that supposedly counts against God actually counts against atheism as well. That was Ravi Zacharias's point of view. Let me pursue the atheist position a bit further. In an article entitled Evil and Omnipotence in the journal Mind in 1955, pages 200 to 212, J.L. Mackey provides a synopsis of the problem. He writes, quotes, In its simplest form, the problem is this. God is omnipotent. God is wholly good, and yet evil exists. There seems to be a contradiction between these three propositions, so that if any two of them were true, the third would be false. But at the same time, all three are essential parts of most theological positions. The theologians, it, it seems, at once must adhere and cannot consistently adhere to all three. H.J. McCloskey gives a similar analysis of the problem of evil in his 1960 article entitled God and Evil in the Philosophical Quarterly. He says, Evil is a problem for the theist in that a contradiction is involved in the fact of evil. On the one hand, and the belief in the omnipotence and perfection of God on the other. So in the case of Mackey and McCloskey and many other atheists, including Epicurus, David Hume, H.G. Wells, and Bertrand Russell, the existence of an all-good, all-powerful God and the existence of evil implies that a contradiction must be involved. But in making that statement, the atheists have reduced the problem of evil to the intellectual version of the problem completely, overlooking the emotional problem. And the atheists are wrong that there is a contradiction in the typical argument. The intellectual problem of evil comes in two versions. The logical version tries to show the existence of God and the existence of evil is logically impossible because of the supposed contradiction. And the evidential slash probabilistic version to show that although accepting the possible existence of God and the reality of the existence of evil, nevertheless purports to show that evil counts against theism in the sense that the existence of evil lowers the probability that God exists. William Lane Craig says, Now before you begin to talk 
to an unbeliever about the problem of suffering, you need to find out which version he's supporting. So just ask him, are you saying that it is impossible for God and the suffering in the world to both exist? Or are you saying that it's merely improbable that God and suffering both exist? If he is like most atheists, he's probably never thought about it, and so doesn't have a clue. You may need to help him clarify what he himself believes by explaining the two versions to him. What he believes will then determine your response. I dealt with the logical problem of evil in episodes 68, 69, 70, and 71 of this program by asking the question, does evil disprove God? The answer is no. But let me give the typical argument. It goes like this. Premise one. An all-good and omnipotent God exists. Premise two. Evil exists. Premise three. If God is omnipotent, he can destroy evil. Premise four. If God is all good, he wants to destroy evil. Therefore, the conclusion is, there is no all-good, omnipotent God. The quotes by J.L. Mackey and H.J. McCloskey documents that the atheists claim there is a contradiction between the existence of God and the existence of evil. The obvious question is, why I think these two statements, premises one and two, are logically inconsistent. Obviously, there is no explicit contradiction between them, simply because premise two is not the direct opposite of premise one. So if the atheist thinks there is some hidden implicit contradiction between them, he must be making some hidden assumptions that would serve to bring out the contradiction and make it explicit. So the question then becomes, what are those hidden assumptions? In the above typical logical argument, the, the premises three and four represent a suggested list of hidden assumptions. But if you go back to episodes 68 to 71, you realize they do not justify the conclusion. But then we can change the typical argument by inserting the word yet in the fourth premise so that premise four now reads, evil is not yet destroyed. Then we can reformulate this new argument with this new premise four. It reaches a valid conclusion that reads, therefore, evil will be destroyed eventually. That new argument is consistent with what the Bible teaches. I close this episode with this scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, taken from the New Living Translation. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your hearts and guard your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is God's promise to you. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith, with Joe Mott.